and welcome back to another episode of Drone World, the podcast by Copters. I'm your host, Chelsea, and today in the studio with me is Jamie. Hi, everyone. Yep, so I'm Jamie Cording from Copters. I'm the research and learning business development manager. So today's really, really exciting just about talking about education, universities, colleges, and how they're using drones. And we've got a great example of what we're going to be talking about today. Awesome. So this is kind of a new thing for drones and for copters and stuff like that, isn't it? But what are some of the universities that we've already done some work with? Okay, so there's, there's quite a list already. And what we're finding is that they're all completely different. So the whole reason for this webinar was to show everyone else what's going on. A little bit of exposure and a lot of commercial teaching to those who teach. So we do a lot of hardware for research students. We work a lot with actual staff. So they can roll that out and they can show different students. It might be postgrad, undergrad. There's just so much out there. So this is just one version of what we what we can put together, a different solution. And it's something that we've been doing with Leeds, University of Leeds, for about three years now. So there is a bit of evolution. And I think it's now at that stage where we should be rolling this out everywhere. Everyone that's been asking questions is really, really interested so we thought, why not? Let's just blow it up and make it a webinar so everyone can see it and hear it and feel what that looks like. So, yes, yeah, there's, there's a lot of value to be had. Awesome. <laughs> that was a lot of information to take in in itself. Right. So as Jamie said, we're going to be talking about a webinar that we did with the University of Leeds. Let's jump in and let them introduce themselves. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Robertson, Professor of Robotics, University of Leeds. I guess I do all things robotics, in particular robots on the ground, in the air, underwater. What brings them together is we're typically doing physical robots and in applications such as infrastructure inspection, where we want to understand condition of structures, um, be it roads, be it bridges and things like that for a research context. So my name is uh, Dr. Bilakdu. I'm actually in area robotics, and uh, I am the uh, operation manager for the um, drone flying uh, in our lab, uh, the Real Robotics Lab. Uh, we do a lot of work with developing uh, UAVs and area robots uh, for uh, different applications, um, and so developing the technology and the applications themselves. So obviously, as they said, robotics is Robert and Bilal's field of expertise, but drones in the university sector can be used across so many other subjects as well. So we've got like engineering, archaeology, geography, biology, physics, media. There's a whole bunch of kind of use cases that universities can actually use drones for. But in regards to University of Leeds specifically, what did it kind of look like for them? What did we actually do to help them? So it was a little bit of us and it was them. It was it was mainly them and essentially over the years, as I've said, it's progressed, it's got better. We've learned, so have they. They know what their needs are now, how they want it to look, and they obviously have their timetable. These students are actually waiting around for us to come and deliver it. They have rigorous different timetables where we need to kind of work around that. So there was a lot of to and fro in with our training team of when's going to be working best for you. So there was, there was a point where it's going to be three consecutive days, then it turned to two, four half days. So it really was a, a push and pull of what is this going to look like? What is the timetable? We finally got the timetable down and then it was over to Harry and the training team to, to make it work, essentially. We have a lot of drone training, a lot of face-to-face training when it comes to our GVC. Generally, it is a three-day course. 
with the PFCO, for anyone who can remember that, that was a three and a half day course. The topics, the syllabus is very, very similar. We managed to get that down to a two and a half day course to our general commercial training. But we as copters, we actually train in-house. Every time the, the rules, the regulations change, we make sure we're up to date. We managed to do it in a day. It was hard work. There was a lot of coffee <laughs> consumed that day. Oh, yes. <laughs> but we, we did it. So we knew in the back of our minds this is something we could do. It was just then a case of who are the clients, who are the customers, and, and what's their knowledge level, what experience do they have already. And, and working in robotics, they did already have a bit of exposure to that. So that allowed Harry to manipulate the course to make it work for everyone so he could get signed off in a day and then return the following week to essentially just do the exam, the theory exam. So, and we actually managed to have a two-hour lunch break in there, which was really nice as well. Oh, the most important part, of course. Yeah, exactly. So, it was, everyone was happy. It wasn't too much in, in a wanna. But also, to, to back this up, every student had access to Cotter's Academy. So, they could go on and do like a bit of prerequisite, a bit of training beforehand, a bit of afterwards. So, it was up to them. They had that to back them up as well. Yeah. It kind of takes a bit of a pressure off University of Leeds as well, doesn't it? It means, like you say, they don't have to worry about the rules and regulations. They don't have to worry about making a whole new syllabus that we've already got. So I think it's just, it's like a match made in heaven, really. Exactly. <laughs> and and this is what I'm finding more. Since doing the webinar, everyone is saying the exact same. It's the regulations. That's what scares us. We don't want to teach the students something that's then going to change again or, or might have already changed. So it's that exposure and it's we're constantly in, in talks with the CAA about what changes. And, and at the moment, we haven't had a, a big update in a while. But when the new regulations came out, it was every month there was a tweak, there was a change and our syllabus has to change with that. So, yeah, it, it just means there's a lot of stress off the lecturers kind of shoulders, whether that's Rob or Bilal, and we could just turn up. It's all ready and we can we can just knock it out. Nice. Let's hear from the guys firsthand, straight from the horse's mouth, what they thought of the process of working with us. What we were doing, <coughs> it sits in our um, level four, level five modules. So they're in year four or MSc um, student modules. So they're pretty good students, pretty capable. Um, what we do in that module is really take them through a lot of it's actually how to design air vehicles. So there's some stuff to do with design, and then they do a project where they actually look at um, how they can make their own air vehicles. So they already have some some background in in understanding of the, um, the I guess the, the physical mechanical theory about what, what's a, what's a motor, what's a blade, what's a what's a drone, how how do you form it? Um, but that, that's great, and that gives them this practical experience. But what it doesn't tell them is how they can really understand how they can deploy this stuff in the real world. Because as we know, the regulation is there for a good reason. Regulation protects everybody. Um, but we have to understand it and manage it and work with it. So so the, 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 the beauty of the course is that it gives that, that perspective, which is a different perspective, uh, of how you can use a technology, how you have to go about certifying, understanding um, the technology and how it can be used to actually operate it in the real world. And I think for us, so, so obviously if we are educators, we can teach content, we can do things. What we lack is the perspective of really using them commercially in the real world, examples, anecdotes, um, and these kind of things. And that's what really brings it to life because, as you can probably imagine, the, the, the course is lots of very factual-based, lots of rules, lots of regulations. Um, this is kind of quite hard for students to go through and to understand. But to have experience of um, 
people who yeah you know, who've got the the stories to go up back up back up what's going on and any kind of random question about things as well they have that, that background so mm-hmm. um it was quite a nice yeah quite a nice sort of um if you like dual approach so lots of theory technical stuff which we teach engineering wise um combined with this more um, um different kind of regulation side um and the students i think really benefit from that different perspective brilliant no that's spot on and, and Bilal, is there, is there anything you'd like to add on that no, I think it went really well with the students. Uh, they really liked it. Um, a few of them are considering um, a career that involves unmanned systems uh, and unmanned aircraft systems. So uh, they are looking into continuing getting their full GVC. Uh, so I think this is very beneficial for them. And especially this year with um more and more drones being introduced and the new regulations that were introduced making it easier for people to uh, get into that um into that arena uh students are more aware of it and uh there are more uh job prospects um that requires that knowledge uh, and that puts them in a better uh in a better place for the future brilliant no spot on well it obviously works for us because of where you are and who you are, you had the brilliant facilities where we can come in and, and teach that. Uh, but just to, to paint a picture for, for everyone watching, how many students were getting trained, um, what year group, um, like I say, that they're, they're a, a very good understanding of uh, regulations and, um, and engineering, uh, but this is slightly different, isn't it? But So can you just paint the picture on what the students are and who the students are? Do you want to take that, Rob? Uh, yeah, well, so so the students um, are mechatronic students. Mechatronics being a combination of mechanical engineering, um, electronic and computation. Um, so level four, level five. Um, so 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 kind of getting towards their um, their senior part of their um, degree course, um, and they're experienced in, in many areas, but but very little experience, I suppose, in regulation, which is something that's quite new to them. Um, what I did also mention, we also at Bolton, as well as um, this, have a course in ethics as well. So we also add on some ethics as well in that in that module that we deliver, just to give them that, that perspective. Because of course, when you're using drones, lots of people talking about um, yeah ethics and what, what you can do, what you shouldn't do. So we have that. That's a kind of three part, if you like, to the to the course that we deliver. That's brilliant. Okay, spot on. Okay, so actually, one thing I haven't mentioned um, was really the, the, the value of. They get the added value of the external certification. So, so of course, we use your marks for the for the for your your theory exam directly in the marks that goes for the um, the module marks. But that means that the students they did they do one set of assessment effectively, but they get the university um, aspect. But they also get the added value of the certificate or the the thing from yourself. So in their CV, they've got something additional which they wouldn't get otherwise. So they have to it's not twice the work, but they get the twice the outcome in a sense. That's good. Yes, yeah, so I think one of the um, one of the good things for students is get this different perspective of what's yeah. going on, um, and that's, that's quite a unique perspective. So I think that that does make them look and think in different ways, um, which which is which is really good. Um, certainly, from from the feedback that I've had from the students, they really appreciate that that kind of interaction, and then they get it more as well. I think mm-hmm. I think sometimes um, students are skeptical of I'm an academic talking about this and what do I know about drones really I sit in my lab and I play with these toys and um <laughs> so I think I think that they that they're, they're more yeah they they, they they definitely appreciate it more um so so yeah so it so absolutely benefits that in terms of the um overall degree course um it's just a nice balance um it just brings in the extra thing so that the students will go through and they'll do um 
um, mechatronics as, as a degree course, of course, and they do all kinds of different things. They'll do some of the um, um, electronics, other kind of things. Um, this is the only thing that they get in this kind of context, in this kind of way of an external company. So it's quite a unique experience, and um, I think they, they really value that. Okay, so jumping back into to what the guys are talking about there, what was refreshing for the students we, we found in the feedback was the anecdotes, the commercial anecdotes that our training team had from being in the industry, from working in the industry, from working with experts. And that was really, really refreshing for them because it's not just textbook learning. And, and that's nothing against University of Leeds, but it's, it's fresh. It's bringing in a third party for another point of view, another opinion and another point of experience. So the students and the staff both really, really highlighted that. And then secondly is the regulations, which we've already touched on today. But this was all about making it easier for Leeds. We come in, we do the training, we go home. Everyone's happy. We can get everyone signed off and off we go. The regulations are changing often. So that stress was left on us. We can get it all sorted and knocked out the park in, in essentially two days. But yeah, this really, the process was just about ease, making it simple. And as I said in the webinar, this is something that we can roll out to colleges, to, to schools, to universities. And that's why it's not just universities or the University of Leeds educational bodies so we've had a lot of people that are inquiring and, and looking into this now since 2022 even but yeah it's so much flexibility within it and what we can do thanks thanks a lot to the training team to make that possible but yeah there's so much potential that's yeah that's really good like robert said they're not the commercial experts so how would they have that perspective of course we are helicopters we are the commercial drone experts so of course we're going to have that perspective that they don't have the course, though, being robotics, I mean, this is not a new course for the University of Leeds. It's only the adding the GVC from us that is the new part. So I'm interested to know what it looked like beforehand. And they did mention this on the webinar. So I'm going to let the guys, Robert and Bilal, just share a bit of insight into what their course looked like before the GVC and drones were kind of brought into it. So, yeah, previously it was... Um, a module around designing um, a particular application challenge. So, for example, it could be for agriculture, it could be but go away and design a drone for this challenge. So very much focused around core engineering principles, choosing motors, thrust coefficients and structures and the like. And what we do, so we're, we're a mechanical department, so our flavour really is around the physical making of things, so we're interested in that as well. So um, did lots of work around that. So at the end, end of the of the project they would come up with a design um, which which is which is which is nice which is a, which is a definitely an engineering thing um but it's a, it's it's just kind of a well, just a design um and they don't really understand so they, they well, didn't really understand um whether they could could they fly that if you'd ask them that question they wouldn't know could you where, where could you fly it what could you do with it what what weight class is it well, all of these kind of things that they they learn to appreciate and and it means like designing things so that they can be used. With some of the things you look at in terms of checking the aircraft, for example, for flight worthiness and things, they'll give no consideration to this normally. So they'll end up designing a vehicle which can't be checked, which has got problems, which has got different things going wrong with it. So by understanding also what you need to do to check the aircraft performance and things, help them to understand how they should better design it as well. I know that's spawn, spawn, but but yeah, there's so much to it, and and it is that bigger picture, isn't it? You, we can obviously teach and we can learn about drones, but it's and you mentioned the um, it's all those little anecdotes, it's all those experience from being in the industry that uh, is is that different look at it, it's that wider approach as well. 
Yeah, we fell out of course, as, as you might expect. I can tell you endless stories about robots that worked and didn't work and things like that, but um, no stories around regulation side of things. So, yes, it's, it's nice to have that flavor as well. In terms of including a uh, an externally taught uh, component into a module, uh, I think there were some concerns, especially in terms of, uh, well, why don't we teach it ourselves? Um, the answer is, even though we kept it ourselves, uh, it's good to have that experience that you um, that you guys would um, accumulate um, from teaching others uh, in that field and keeping up with the regulations. Now, uh, the, the challenge is in keeping up with the regulations and uh, having that um, feedback uh, from the CAA for all the new rules that would come in and having that uh, certification for your um, uh, course that you teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and also all the um, admin work that comes with uh, being an NQE and now I think the name has changed. Uh, so it, it made more financial sense and uh, more uh, efficient uh, delivery to uh, go with an external partner for that. So it sounds like the students have benefited from this kind of value add to this course so much. It's, it's kind of hard to believe that they didn't do this training beforehand. I think it's really cool and it's good to hear that the students themselves have thought that as well. But it's not only the students that benefit, of course. The school itself, the University of Leeds, kind of has an indirect benefit almost as well. So in the webinar, Robert mentioned that, you know, the students had really good feedback and then they they submit that online and then it makes their scores better and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, he's going to explain it far better than I can. So let's just let, let's let him do that. Yes, yeah, so I think I think financially, um, it, it, we know that it doesn't create more students coming in because our students are kind of all well, not not directly anyway. Um, our students are really there, um, but it's it's all it's about the experience and the quality. But the experience the students get feeds into our national um, student um, surveys, which then feeds into league tables, which then of course feeds into which students come there. So there is a, a very strong indirect um, feedback component <laughs> and in fact it can be um, sometimes when students are asked to grade the degree course it, it, the, the things that stick in their mind so for example we do another thing which we did um, in the second year of a degree course where we get them to build autonomous robots and mm-hmm. it's kind of a small thing um, but that sort of sits in their mind and that's one of the reasons they go oh well, that was great and then that, that, that triggers them to give a, a stronger feedback so it's these kind of additional things they look at it and go okay well was the course good and it's just these like smaller things that are smaller, the bigger, bigger scale of things, but end up being quite significant potentially in terms of how they perceive the course and how they how they enjoy it. Um, so yeah, so so the, the value for us is in offering the best student experience that we can, yeah. which um, is selfless but also selfish that we indirectly, of course, benefit from um, their their opinion of our quality. So yeah, we obviously heard from from Rob there more and more information about how this worked for them, which it really has been brilliant top to bottom. But at the end of the day, this was for the students to give them more value, to give them more opportunities once they leave the university and moving forward. So it's more CPD training and it keeps the students happy. There's a lot of stressy times within universities. So sometimes when, when it is something fresh, when it is something new, people coming into the university it breaks it up for you it takes your mind off something else and it's a brand new project because Coptus came in there we we supplied the testing we supplied all of the format the brand new LMS that the students could work on 
And bear in mind, there was a lot of students that, well, I say a lot, there was a small proportion that did actually have COVID. They worked through teams. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. It's, it's still not good. We're still not quite over it. And so we did the course in November. So it was actually quite a while ago now. But yeah, there was, there was quite a few cases in Leeds at the time. And so, yeah, they did the live training through teams. They had the LMS so they could do the training at the same time. So they weren't getting left behind. But all that content was readily available beforehand which we did actually see quite a lot of students access, which is brilliant. And then, again, after the course, so and they've, they've got lifetime access to that, so they can work through it at their own space, their own time. And if they did want to progress on something else, they can, they've got the option to. But it also meant that the, uh, the lecturers, Bilal, Rob, the rest of the team, they could crack on with something else. It's yeah. a very, very busy time, all the time with universities. When I'm having conversations with people, it is everyone's busy and everyone seems to be since we've been back from covid heck everyone's yeah finding our busy. feet again <laughs> exactly everyone's trying to get back so it was good it was a good solid two days where they could just lock themselves away in their office and crack on and play catch up so yeah they were pretty appreciative of that can definitely understand why. I mean, we're going to hear from them again now, uh, from Rob and Bilal, about the stuff that they use drones for. And this part actually blew my mind. Like, yes. they're, they're using drones with 3D printers attached to print asphalt for potholes and roads. And they're attaching arms to drones and tracks so that you can land a drone and then drive it away. This is... This is amazing stuff. It's so innovative. So I'm going to let them steal the show again. It's, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Just, you have to hear this. Um, so really, really our vision in the, univers- in, in, in the school, in our lab, is around what we call aerobotics. That is things that are in the air, but very importantly, they can touch, interact with um, things around um so they're, they're doing visual surveillance by all means certainly but they're not just doing that so very much around carrying things touching things interacting with things and of course the autonomy so we're taking drones we're modifying them we're changing them so we are taking standard drones so the, so the regulations still do apply so what yeah. we do mostly what we do not all what we do mostly what we do is effectively payloads Mm-hmm. So, so we can still get flight permission, for example. We do, we've done some work um, on drones to repair potholes, which sounds a bit, a bit crazy. Um, but potholes start up as being cracks in the road. Um, and if you can patch a crack, you can stop pothole forming. So we have drones that can print, actually the only, only drone in the world that can print um, in asphalt, 3D asphalt, um, in, into cracks. Um, so we so the pair, we can fly with that. But it's, like I say, it's just a payload. So the regulations are still still. Um, consistent um, with that um, so yeah so we do all, all kinds of flying things modifying we do other things for example we've done um, work with um, drones flying underneath bridges and placing small robots on bridges we've done drones carrying bigger robots um, dropping them down so lots of modif- modifying them but essentially the structure is quite similar we, do, we, we rarely not, not sometimes we do but we rarely make our own bespoke drones but normally modifying them in some way um, for example the 3d printing one it has been modified to have tracks on the bottom of its feet so it can land and it also can drive around um, on the floor um, but again the tracks are just a payload for a conventional drone that gathers certification and regulations still apply i think uh, on the um on the overall use of drones within uh, the university, it also uh, extends to uh, the use for remote sensing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the typical application that uh, drones are used for um, collecting data, visual, uh, hyperspectral, thermal. Uh, and these 
also are involved with other schools, uh, precise, um, particularly earth and environment, um, geography. Um, we do some work with uh, physics. Um, we have a few projects with uh, people looking at uh, monitoring the uh, ice uh, glaciers uh, in Greenland. Um, I think there are a number of researchers working on that, but we have people working on that in Leeds mm. as well. Uh, we have people looking at um, geological um, kind of... Um, I'm not the expert on that, but essentially how the uh, Earth crust uh, is formed and the kind of cracks that uh, causes uh, earthquakes and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, so they, they use drones for that. Um, now, our applications, as Rob said, uh, focus on payloads and modification of existing aircraft uh, in many of the cases. Uh, but we also uh, build our own when we need something uh, specific uh, and when, we were, when we we're working on the control systems and the dynamics of the aircraft. Uh, so one of the applications that we're working on, uh, which requires a... Uh, kind of novel control system to be implemented is the one using robotic arms on drones, so for uh, aerial work. Mm -hmm. um, there are uh, European projects that are working on that. Uh, we have a few projects that are looking into that uh, in Leeds. Um, so we do take a, a kind of bare-bone platform for that, um, just because we're not really interested in, in rebuilding um, a hub and few arms and motors, uh, so we, we can get those off the shelf. Uh, but the value is in what you can do with it and uh, the kind of control uh, that you can implement and the kind of application that you can get uh, from having kind of extended uh, arms. So I think one uh, aspect that you, you see different in our lab is that we're not just looking at remote sensing. Uh, we're looking beyond remote sensing into uh, physical interaction, mm -hmm. uh, which is a much more difficult problem, more interesting. So we don't want the drones to just fly and collect data. We want them to do uh, something uh, useful, uh, something physical, uh, and not just like dropping stuff. Fantastic. Just a, just a bit of a, a question from me. So when they are interacting and doing something physical, how are they, would they be landed and stationary at that point or is there anything when they're still in the air? So it depends. So the 3D printing, uh, the asphalt 3D printing uh, mm -hmm. on roads, it's when they're uh, stationary on the ground, uh, but they do have the ground maneuvering capability so they can drive as well as they can fly. Uh, aerial manipulation uh, is mostly done in flight. So the advantage of having a drone with a robotic arm uh, or multiple robotic arms is to be able to uh, manipulate the structure or whatever you're trying to fix or interact with while, whilst you're flying, uh, not, not just one, uh, when you um, land or perch. We mm -hmm. don't like look into perch landing and um, performing uh, activities uh, once you've landed uh, on kind of high structures. Um, but this is kind of a next level challenge. Yes, yeah, so Leeds University, uh, as you heard, they're doing some amazing stuff with drones, with third party payloads, which is very, very interesting. But yeah, just to, to hear more about what they're going to do, we've got another snippet for you right here. Yeah, so I guess in terms of a research type strategy for the drones, 
Um, we're certainly going to build up on that. It's going to become more and more. I think air robotics is going to become more and more of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the, 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 the inspection, non-contact inspection is going to be in the background. But it's going to be more and more of this work. So we're certainly looking at more dexterous manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we can move things. Um, are they? Are, are we able to do very complicated dexterous moves? Imagine a human hand on a drone, for example. Um, we're looking at kind of two or three rotation joints, so it's just much, much simpler. So going towards that much more complicated um, um, dexterous arm, and also much, much better integrating the manipulation with the drone. So right now, like I said before, the, 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 the payload is mostly a payload. Is it separate things? You've got a flight control system. Um, it's fighting away, trying to kind of keep stable. Yeah. And the arm is moving, and you can imagine the arm moving is putting some disturbances into the drone. Drone mm-hmm. control is generally pretty good. Which is great. So they can they can reject each other. But there's not there's not harmony. The 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 drone is not understanding what the arm's doing. As if, if if we were if we were moving in the physical world, we'd move our arm. We would know our arm's going to outstretch and we'd automatically balance. Um, right now, it's like you've got an arm that's gone to sleep and someone's grabbing it around, moving it about, and you're having to compensate. So so this this kind of whole system design. How can you build drones that are inherently integrated with manipulators? That somehow fundamentally um, they're better to be connected opposed mm-hmm. to being these two separate things that are bolted together um so yeah that's, that's the kind of direction we're going to go into more, more of that stuff but yeah, definitely and of course you'll see the batteries are getting much much better and much more advanced as we do get better and better batteries it means that we can do a lot more so as you might expect loitering um is energy expensive if you're flying around hovering trying to manipulate um in one spot especially if you're trying to be hovering in a very tight particular coordinate range which you have to do if you're going to do some manipulation you're sucking lots of battery power mm-hmm. so as battery power is getting more and more advanced it gives us much more opportunity to be able to go and 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 really exploit this and have robots that are flying around or aerial vehicles that are flying around doing multiple tasks hopping around doing things um so it becomes much more realistic opposed to right now we can do a demonstration but realistically it's going to fly up go away do something for 10 minutes and come back it can't yeah. be going around for, for an hour or so so yeah, that, that's pretty much it. There's the snippets that we've got from the, the webinar. Thank you for anyone who joined us live. That was brilliant. Any of the questions that you guys were asking, they were spot on. Bilal was absolutely loving that. So yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Great event. In terms of what leads are doing, yes, it is very ahead of the curve. There are 10, possibly 20 universities in the UK that are doing something similar or looking into it from what we're aware of, what we've trained, who we've trained. But look, the, the whole reason for this webinar was exposure. It's to show, it's to teach, it's to let everyone know what else other universities are doing. We've recently just started a WhatsApp group, a closed group for drone leads within universities. So we can set more of this sort of thing up. So we can change the future, so we can innovate, so we can do brand new things that are going to give more value to universities, to students most importantly, but also so we can get drones for good, as we talk about here. At we Boxes. love that. Exactly. <laughs> drones for good. So it's, it's new, it's fun, it's exciting, and I think it really could go a long, long way. So if, if that's Definitely. something that you're, you're interested in, colleges, universities, you name it, I think it's, it could be the future. So you mentioned that WhatsApp group there. How do people join that if they want to? Yeah, great question. So the WhatsApp group, it's, it's essentially for drone leads, for colleges, for universities that are wanting to, to change, to get better, to develop, but also to, to speak to one another. 
it's a way of reaching out the arm and asking for help from another university or myself. But essentially, if you reach out to, to Copters, to, to myself, uh, Jamie, jamiecorden at copters.com, if you wanted to drop me an email. But yeah, it's, it, look, it's not a very busy group. We, we just talk about regulations, changes, paperwork, operations manuals, different syllabuses that we potentially could use drones within. And then there's some really, really cool stuff with like different research roles and, and syllabuses that we're, we're looking to use drones in, which is awesome. A lot of experimentation and it's all very new. It is a closed group, so you need to ask to get in. But it'd be great to have you there if you want to come. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, we've talked through a load of stuff today. A big thank you to University of Leeds for joining us on that webinar. And if you want to watch the full webinar, you can do that as well. It's on our website, copters.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this week. And we really hope you enjoyed learning about education and how it's changing and evolving with the use of drones at the forefront. If you like the episode, please make sure you rate and review the show and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Our handle is just at copters on all platforms. And then you'll be the first to know when another episode of Drone World goes live. So cheers, everyone. See you next time.